All right. Isn't the Lord good? First Peter chapter number 5. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles. First Peter chapter number 5. And we're going to begin reading. We'll, we'll skip down to verse 5. Verse 5 is where we stop uh, to catch you up to where we are tonight. Uh, in First Peter chapter 5, he is addressing the church, the leadership of the church and the laity of the church. He's, he's addressing the shepherd and the sheep. The responsibility of the leadership, the responsibility of the elders there, the responsibility of God's men uh, to feed the sheep, to be humble, uh, uh, to, to show initiative, uh, not to be lazy, uh, not to be greedy, uh, to be people who uh, do not have to be prodded or begged or bribed to do their calling, but they, they would die if they were not doing their calling. Paul said, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you there in Rome. In other words, it's burning on the inside of me. That's the kind of men we need leading churches today. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we talked about the shepherd last week and the importance of the shepherd. Now, this week we're going to talk about the sheep and what we are to do. We, we began, I think we got one point in, uh, and we talked about being humble. Say that with me, being humble. Being humble. Uh, three things we're going to talk about with the sheep uh, 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 that, that Peter's really emphasizing so that we can make it. Uh, how many of y'all know that, that, that sometimes when the pressure's turned up, the worst comes out? Have y'all ever noticed that? All right, so he is dealing with the fact that they're fixing to be under great pressure. They're, they're fixing to be under the gun. They're fixing to be under great trials and tribulations. And I've, I found out this. You can, you can have a funeral, and, 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 and you say, well, the, the, it just brings the worst out. No, it brings what's really there. It's kind of like money. It's kind of like money. Pressure and trials and hardships are kind of like money. You say money changes people. Nah, nah. Money gives people the opportunity to be what they already are. If they're a jerk with money, it, the money just gives them an opportunity to be a bigger jerk. Are y'all with me? Uh, so this is what happens. Uh, the pressure comes and what's really there is there. So what he is saying and what he is trying to accomplish, we have to be able to get along this way. And be right with each other this way. Because if we're not right in here, when the pressure comes from out there, we're done. We're done. Uh, it's amazing that the, in, in times of, of blessing and good times that churches squabble and fuss and fight and carry on and others. And, and, and then you go to China when they're fearing for their lives and they're risking their lives to have church. You don't see no squabbling. You don't see no fighting. You don't see no fussing because they're only caring about what's important. Y'all with me? So he wants us to know how we are to operate as sheep, as followers of Christ in his body. All right? So let's look in uh, verse number five. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you. Say that with me. All. Say it again. All. all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. I found this out. I would rather me humble me than God humble me. It's kind of like, like when your dad tells you to go get a switch. Y'all with me? Your switch is going to be different in his switch. Are y'all with me? That's, humble yourselves. 
therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may. In other words, this, is, this has got to happen so he can have the ability to exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What a sweet verse. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know what? It's, it's really good to know that all this garbage that we're going through in life, we're not the only ones. The temptations we face, we're not the only ones. The suffering that we deal with, we're not the only ones. The, the heartache that we deal with and the frustrations we deal with in the Christian walk, we're not the only ones. I'm glad we're not going through this alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a hungry crowd that's here to learn and to grow and to uh, uh, mature in their faith. Uh, Father, thank you for the mercy that you showed this morning uh, in, the, in the funeral. Uh, thank you for your grace on the family and the healing that's already taken place. Father, I pray that you'll be with that family. I pray, God, that you'll restore uh, joy again and hope again. I, I, I pray that you'll be with us tonight. Uh, God, the, the, the fire's coming. I, I really believe that, Lord, and, and I pray that you'll help us to grow together and learn together. And, Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, you may be seated. Verse number four, excuse me, verse number five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. We are on page number two under the sheep. And the first thing we said as sheep, we are to be humble. Say that with me. We are to be humble. humble. The task, number one, the task. If you're taking notes, uh, the task. Uh, let, well, we, we, if, if, you need, if you need the answers, if you came in just for today and you need the other answers, if you'll get with somebody uh, uh, in the congregation, I'm sure they'll be glad to share with you answers. If you can't, uh, just let me know and I'll give you one that's already printed out, okay? Uh, the task. Our, our task is to be humble. Uh, God has an issue with prideful people. Have y'all noticed that? God has an issue with prideful people. Uh, pride, pride basically says that you don't need anybody or anything. And there's one thing that I found out this, that it, it, we need Jesus in the worst kind of way. And pride will tell you you don't need anybody. Pride will tell you you're better than everybody. Pride will tell you you don't need Jesus, but we do. And Jesus is saying, in these verses, he's saying, we are to submit one to another. We're to submit one to another. Uh, the older to the younger, the younger to the older. We, we talked about last week, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but we talked about in many churches there, there are cultural wars, and then there's generational wars. Uh, the, the, the older crowd uh, wants their style of worship and their style of music and, and that type of thing. And then you see the younger crowd who's different, the younger crowd who has a little different preference and a little, little different style uh, in a little different way. And, and in many congregations, if, if there's not humility... If there's not humility, there'll be a fight. There'll be a fight. I, I want what I want, and then this side goes over here will say, I want what I want, but, but that, that means it's about you. And, 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 and what, what, what humility does is realize it's not about me. I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have it 
just like I want it. Uh, uh, I, I need to put Christ first. How many of y'all have ever heard the, the acronym for joy? What is the acronym for joy? Say it back to me. And then you. Jesus, others, then you. And if we can keep that, if we can keep that, it's amazing what kind of joy we can have in our lives when those, those kind of things take place. But he says, submit yourselves one to another. Be subject one to another. Uh, and then he gives the reason. God resisteth the proud. Resisteth the proud. Man, if there's anything we need, it's God on our side. Resist. You see, it's the same word that, 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 the, the, that Peter uses when it says well, how we are to treat the devil. Look in verse number, look in verse number, uh, he's talking about the, the adversary in verse 8. Verse 9, whom, whom resist. In other words, God will treat you in pride how he wants you to treat the devil. What does that say? God resisteth the proud. Now watch, verse 9, he said, Now this is what I want you to do when the devil comes against you. I want you to In other words, God's going to do to us what he wants us to do to the devil in the fight. We're to resist the devil. We're to put up a fight. And we need God on our side. We need God in our marriages. We need God in our ministries. We need God in our homes. We need God in our decisions. We need God in our problems. We need God in our valleys. Are y'all with me? We don't need a God who is resisting us. And God says the, the, the quickest way to, to turn me from you is pride. Pride. God resisteth the proud. But he giveth grace to the humble. God, God loves a humble person. I guess God's seen so much pride in Satan in the beginning that it is nauseating when he sees it anywhere. The truth, the task, we're to, we're to submit one to another. We're to submit one to another. We're to be humble one with another. The truth, that was the task. This is the truth, number two. The solution is twofold. All believers, how many of them? All believers, young and old should submit to each other. What does that mean? It means the older generation should not mind when the younger generation wants to sing Chris Tomlin. And then over here, the younger generation don't need to be so jacked up and think their way is the only way and be okay with amazing grace and how great thou art and I'll fly away. Are y'all with me? That's simple. So how come we can't get this? How come we can't understand? How come we can't understand that we may worship different, but we're worshiping the same God? And we're going to the same heaven. And we'll be in the same worship service. Amen? I just, I just, I just talked to a pastor who we've been helping. They had their greatest Easter they've ever had. Largest Easter they've ever had. Had two services. Brother Chris had two services. Had like 17 people saved. He was so jacked up about it. And you know what he told me? He, he, he is so frustrated and he is so broke. He, he's, he's probably going to come and spend some time with us. But he said, I don't understand it. They didn't say anything about all the people saved, all the people in the building, 
All they had issues with is the new songs we sung. Now, I wish that was not reality, but that's reality. This is my re return. He says, we're, 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 we're losing some people. We're losing some people. Anytime you take a step of faith to follow Christ, there's going to be people walk away. If they walked away from Christ, and if you're following him, they're going to walk away from you. And this is what I said. This is what I said. You're going to lose people, period. No matter what you do, if you, if you just do contemporary, you're going to lose people. If you do just traditional, you're going to lose people. I said, here's my thing. If, if you're going to lose people, period, no matter what you do, I'm going to choose who I lose. And I would rather choose to keep those who want to help me reach this generation than those that don't care. But regardless, show humility. Show humility. There's no reason in this world, there's no reason in this world we can't get along and, and serve Jesus and work together and let's all make it happen. Amen? Amen. Now watch, now watch. Here's, here's what's important. How do we do this? Because this is hard. I get this. I, when you've been doing something a certain way, uh, uh, it, it's hard to change. It's hard to change. I, I, I understand that. But this is, this is, where, this is where the answer lies. Uh, God says to be clothed in humility. Just as Jesus laid aside his outer garments and put on a towel to become a servant, so each of us should have a servant's attitude and minister to each other. How many of y'all remember the story when Jesus, the king, the master of the universe, he was under such stress. He was under such stress and, 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 and angst, if you will. That night, his, his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was praying so hard because he was fixing to go to Calvary. Yet in the middle of all of that, he stopped long enough to get down and wash his disciples' feet to teach them a lesson in humility. They were still wanting to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to have this position in the church, who's going to... Are y'all with me? And so he gave us the great example. Philippians tells us, you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a... Form of a... And, be, and, and was made in the likeness of man. Amen. And being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Man, there's a lot right there. Uh, humility is not demeaning ourselves and thinking poorly of ourselves. And there is a false humility too, by the way. There's a lot of people who's got a false humility. They want, well, I'm running a rabbit again. Uh, it is simply what is humility? It is simply not thinking of ourselves at all. Did I tell y'all to underline this next verse last week? Okay, if you didn't, you need to. Underline this for me. We can never be submissive to each other until we are first submissive to God. You know how huge that statement is? The reason that churches are fighting each other is because they're really not right with God to begin with. The reason they've not submitted to one another is they're not submitted to God. It's still about them. It's still about them.
They've gone to church so long that church has become a club. Church has become uh, 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 an activity, a religious activity, and, and they know all the rules, they know the dress code, they know all of the, the lingo, and, 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 and it's not about the one who we're supposed to be worshiping. And now we have people who are worshiping their worship. They are worshiping the books they use. They are worshiping uh, the way they worship. They are worshiping the style of worship and not the one they're supposed to be worshiping. I, I see people posting all the time about the old-time way. Old-time way. It's it, the, the red back hymnal and, 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 and all of this stuff and, and, and the King James Bible and, and, and not one thing is said about Jesus. That is, to, that is amazing to me. You're bragging about all this stuff, and you haven't mentioned Jesus one time. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm for I'm for old songs. I love old songs. I love new songs, for that matter. I love my Bible. Gracious mercy, I love my Bible. But listen, I need to fall in love with the author of it. And if I do that, everything's going to fall in place. Everything's going to fall in place. Submit to God. If we will submit to him, we can submit to one another. But if we're not submitted to him, I sure ain't going to be submitted to you. Here's a, here's a, here's a, you know what? I did this last week and got halfway through and didn't. It's going to happen again. But this is, this is too important. This is too important. Here's the old saying. Ain't nobody going to tell me. And we've kind of had that attitude with Jesus. Amen? Now watch. We can never be submissive to each other until we are first submissive to God. Peter quoted Proverbs 3.34 to defend his point, a verse that is also quoted in James 4.6. It takes grace. I love this part. It takes grace to submit to one another. It takes grace to submit to another believer. Uh, why, why, is it hard, why is it hard to submit? Because then you're vulnerable. Nobody wants to be vulnerable because we've been hurt so much by relationships or by family members or by past experience that, that if I humble myself, I'm going to get stomped on. And I'm not going to put myself out there to be stomped on again. I'm not going to put myself out there to be run over. Ain't nobody. And you tell me that's not a prevalent attitude in churches today. And it's not necessary. It, it's not biblical. But what, what the issue is, is we've got so many past wounds and experiences, we've let that creep over into the worship and, and into the, the church house. So we, we're thinking, we're suspect of everybody. Amen. But we have a God who can give us grace. And he can give us grace to humble ourselves before him. If we humble ourselves before him. God resists the proud because God hates the sin of pride. Submission is an act of faith. Underline that. Underline that. Submission is an act of faith. You're submitting to that person, your, your neighbor, the one sitting beside you, not because you trust them, but you trust God. And God's the one that commanded you to. We are trusting God to direct in our lives and to work out his purposes in his time. After all, there is a danger in submitting to others. They might take advantage of us, but not if we trust God. If we are submitting to one another, a person who is truly yielded to God and who wants to serve his fellow Christians will not even think of taking advantage of someone else, saved or unsaved. The mighty hand of God that directs our lives can also direct in the lives of others. Say amen. amen. 
All right, number three, the time. The time. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That is an act that we do. That is what we do. Not what Jesus does, but what we do. I have heard this, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be real dogmatic about this uh, uh, because I'm not real sure about this, but it sounds good. Uh, I, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of Bible scholars say God will never command you to do something or, or he will never do for you what he's commanded you to do. In other words, he says, sanctify yourselves. He's not going to come with a scrub brush and a, and a soap and, and, and start scrubbing on you. Now, he's going to put you into situations that will cause that to take place. But if he says to sanctify yourself, he's not going to do for you what he's commanded you to do. Y'all with me? And part, part of this submit yourselves, God's wanting us to do that. Now, I will say this. There's a limit to what I believe in, in some of those Bible scholars about this because God will humble you. But his humbling is going to be a lot worse than what you could do for yourself. Amen? Now, here, here's the thing. What, what did he say? What did he say in verse, verse number 6? Humble yourself that he may. If, in other words, if you do this, if you do this in your life, if you'll work on this area of your life, then this is what he will do, that he may exalt you in due time. And see, that's, that's wherein lies the problem. Everybody wants to be exalted. Everybody does. Everybody wants to be important. Everybody wants to... Uh, uh, have God's blessings. How many of y'all would agree with that? We want to be exalted. We want to be like Joseph and we want to sit on the throne. We want to fulfill our destiny in that dream that God gave us at 17 years old. Hey, I'm ready to go. God's going to, I'm, I'm going to rule and my, my parents and all my brethren, they're going to bow down to me. 17 years old. He ain't ready. And we all want to be exalted. We all want to have the favor of God. We all want to have the blessings of God. But watch what he says. Due time. Some people cannot handle exalting at the present time. They're, they're, they're at McKenzie. McKenzie, she's, I don't know where she's at. Where's she at? In the little building. She's down there. Now she wants to drive. But she ain't. <laughs> now, I want her to drive. I want her one day when I'm on the recliner with the game and her mother needs something, she can go get it. <laughs> I want her to mature and be at a place where she has her own license and she has her ability and she can go get the detergent. Say amen. But not right now. Why? Does the, does the father want her to have it? Absolutely. Does the, does the father have the ability to do that? Absolutely. But she can't handle it. She can't handle it. And you say, why are you saying all that? Because half of us are in here praying, God bless me, God bless me, give me your favor, exalt me, and you ain't ready. How do you know I ain't ready? Because, number one, you ain't humbled yourself. <laughs> Preach it, Bishop, preach it right there. You say, how do you know? I, I, I put parentheses around this sentence, right? Watch this. The key, of course, is the phrase due time. 
God never, say that with me, God never, say it again, God, he never exalts anyone until the person is ready for it. That's why, that's why Paul warned Timothy. He said, he said, you don't need to give a high position to a novice lest they be lifted up in what? Pride. Pride. Boy, this is good. First the cross, then the crown. First the suffering, then the glory. Listen, Jesus had to die on a cross before he rose from the grave. He wore a crown of thorns before he wore a crown of gold. Moses was under God's hand for 40 years before God sent him to deliver the Jews from Egypt. Joseph was under God's hand for at least 13 years before God lifted him to the throne. Here it is, here it is. Put parentheses around this. This is huge, this is the clue. You ever heard that phrase, get a clue, people? This is your clue. Or, here's your sign. Amen? Here it is. One of the evidences of our pride is our, is our, with God. And one reason for suffering is that that we might learn patience. I want to be exalted. You're not ready. I want God's favor. I want to preach on the big platform. I want to have a lot of people. You might not be ready. How you know I'm not ready? Because you're impatient with God. You know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I didn't step onto this stage when I stepped out of college. Because I would have hurt so many people. The influence that I have now, and I'm not saying this angrily. I promise you I'm not. I, I'm, I am so even scared of this. I, I, matter of fact, I, I almost, Brother Chris, the other day, I'm like, I don't want this. Pastor from North Carolina just sent me a, a message today and said, man, I'm going to come spend a couple of days with you. I need your help. I mean, all over the place, this is coming, this is coming. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just, and I'm thinking, boy, if, 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 if God would have put me here when I came out of, when I came out of Bible college, I would have hurt a lot of people. So what did he do? He put me in a little church where they reamed me over the coals. He put me in a little church where, where because we were growing, I split a class. And, 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 and it, was a, it was a church that they were used to running it. And that didn't work with me. So I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm making this decision. We split the class. We're growing, and, and, and I'm doing what I'm, and man, my first official meeting. We had, we had a gentleman of about 120. He was on this end. Four ladies, and one that was probably in his 20s, but it was like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Over on this side. And them four women, bless their heart, one after another, took turns and letting me hold it, explaining to me what the deal was. 
Now, I can sit here and laugh about it now, but it wasn't too funny then. Y'all with me? God's allowed me to deal with issues and suffering and, and hurts and pains and, and so that now when somebody's hurting, I just cry with them. It's a long road to get to here. But I, I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to be here when I walked out of there. But God said, do time. Do time. Humble yourself. How do I know if I'm humble? Because you're not trying to rush God. You've got things you want God to do in your life, and you're trying to hurry him up. Isn't it frustrating when you're in a hurry and he ain't? If it's not frustrating to you, then you're a better person than me. God don't ever get in a hurry. He's always on time. He's never running late. He's right on time. It's too late. Lazarus is done dead. He said, no, I'm right on time. <laughs> have you been impatient with God? Have you had to have several sessions with the Lord and you're, you're trying to convince him? I know I'm not preaching nobody out there. I'm, it's, I'm the only one that does that. Moses. Oh, I got plenty of time. Moses, uh, he's got, he's got, he's got it, man. He's the stepson to Pharaoh. Y'all know the story. Pharaoh's daughter found, finds him. He's, he's, he's a prince of Egypt, if you will. He's got the greatest education of, of Egypt. He is a statesman. Most people only know things about Moses, about what they read in in, in, uh, in, in Exodus, uh, but they, they forget what the New Testament says about Moses. They say, oh, Moses, he, had a, he, he was a stutter. He had a speech impediment. Oh, oh, but, but see, you don't understand. According to the New Testament, the Bible says he was a man mighty in word and deed. Moses was a statesman. Moses was a politician. Moses was very polished in the education, which was the greatest education in the world at the time in Egypt. And Moses knew his destiny. Moses knew he had a calling in his life. Moses knew he had a great purpose, but Moses wasn't ready. He knew God would use him to deliver the nation of Israel. And he started early and said, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. And he killed an Egyptian that was causing suffering to an Israelite. And y'all know the story. He got run out of town. Why? He wasn't ready. He said, I can do it. I use my strong hand. And God says, you, you're not ready. So on the backside of the desert for 40 years, he's watching sheep. He's a nomad. And, and, and experts, linguistic experts say that when people spend extended periods of time away from other humanity, just in the wild or with wild animals, they lose the ability to communicate. And so here Moses is on the backside of the desert. He sees a burning bush, and, and, and God says, all right, son, 
time to do your job. It's time to do what you were put on this planet to do. And he says, I can't. I can't talk. Yet, yet the, the word says he was a man mighty in word and deed. So what happened? God stripped him of what was significant in his life. Forty years on the backside of a desert to humble him. When he was a politician, when he was a statesman, when he was the son of Pharaoh, when he had all of that and, and more, he said, I can. And God says, you can't. And now he's on the backside of a desert stripped of everything that was significant to him. He is a nobody who can't even talk. And he says, I can't. And God says, now you can. Because when you humble yourself, then God can exalt you. Joseph receives a vision. He's 17 years old. 17 years old. Now y'all know, y'all know when you're 17 years old and you're a, 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 a young man, you're an idiot. Say man. I can say that. I was one one time. Amen. I'm about to get over it. It takes about the 40. Amen. Matt, you're in trouble, son. You got a ways to go. Amen. He gets the vision. And he tells everybody. And see, everybody's got this... this, this idea of Joseph that I think is a little skewed oh he's this good boy and he's just such a great boy and all that he's 17 years old and he hears about himself being on the throne going to rule over his parents and his brothers how you gonna act 17 years old and find that vision the Bible says his brothers hated him but it says this for his words now what do you think a 17 year old kid's going to say when he's, he learns he's going to be the ruler of the planet. Arrogant. But guess what? God says, okay. And the Bible says they kidnapped him and threw him in a pit. And this is the word, and it's very symbolic. They stripped him. They stripped him. And the pit, and this is symbolic too, the Bible says the pit was empty. There was no water in it. I think there's a whole lot more to that than just he wasn't going to drown in that pit. What did they strip him of? His coat of many colors. What was the coat of many colors? It was what was his significance. The coat of many colors said he was the golden child. The, the, the coat of many colors said that he was the favorite son. The coat of many colors said he was the exalted one, and he was stripped and put in an empty pit. And at that point in his life, he probably has never felt as empty in his life. Sitting in the bottom of a pit, listening to his brothers, talking about killing him. But you see, God had a destiny for this young man. And eventually, 13 years later, he's sitting on a throne, but God had to strip him first. And some of us are not getting the prayers answered we want. Some of us are not getting the favor we want. Some of us are not getting the exalting we want. Some of us are not having the power of God in our life like we want and the favor of God in our life and the move of God in our life because we're too arrogant and impatient to let God do his work so we can be what we can be so he can exalt us. Because if he did exalt us, we'd be dangerous. What do you think would happen? 
What do you think would have happened with a 17-year-old Joseph sitting on the throne with all power under his hand? Do y'all get that? God cannot just trust his favor and his blessing with just anybody, especially if we're too immature to handle it. I guarantee you the 17-year-old Joseph wouldn't have done what the, the one 13 years later who's standing in front of his brothers and said, listen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see, God had to take Joseph through the pit and through Potiphar's house and through the prison, all this stuff. I'm running rabbits again, but it's good. Amen. Hallelujah. The time in due time. In due time. Just trust me on this. God's right on time. If you're trying to fix your husband or you're trying to fix your wife, just quit. Just trust God. What do I need to do? Work on yourself. You know why we don't want to do that? Because it's harder to do that. I don't know. That's kind of an inaccurate statement because it's impossible to change the other one. But sometimes we don't want to take the effort to change me. Change me. God, change me. Say that with me. God, change me. Humble me. Help me humble myself. Because, Lord, you're right on time. You're right on time. The treasure. This is so good. When we're impatient with God, it's telling us that we, we have a pride problem. Because we think, pride says God should do something. We think that our pride tells us God's late. Our pride tells us God doesn't know what he's doing. Amen? Y'all want me to move number four? Number four. Here's the treasure of humility. Number four, the treasure of humility. One of, one of the benefits of this kind of relationship with God is the privilege of letting him take our burdens. Unless, this is so good, man, this is so good. Unless we meet the conditions laid down in 1 Peter 5, 5, and 6, we cannot claim the wonderful promise of 5, 7. Let me read them. 5, 7 says this, casting all your care. Let me break that down a minute. We're not going to get to be careful, so y'all might as well just write that up. We'll get that next week. Casting all your care. Casting. It's really a two-part word. Casting. Means to throw out and let go. I, I, I grew up in South Florida and we used a cast net a lot. And, and learning how to throw a cast net is fun. Because, you know... The old, old time way is, you, you know, you, you have this big net, this 10-foot net, 12-foot net. And the bigger the net, the harder it is to throw. And, and you put a piece of that net in your mouth, and then you throw parts of that net over your arm. So now you have one, one part with a rope, then you have parts of the net, 
It's just this round net that y'all with me? Y'all know what a cast net is, anybody? Okay. And then learning how to do it, you got to do like three things at the same time. And if you focus on the first two things, you forget about the third thing, and that's to open your mouth. Y'all with me? Because there's lead weights on the bottom of this net. And with momentum, when you get it going, those lead weights are going. Y'all with me? And you've got to throw this part, release this part, and the last part is open your mouth. Because if you don't, it'll just about snatch your teeth out. Amen? Well, when you're trying to learn how to do this, you can't think that much ahead of time. And there was times when you learn and you just... Don't let go and you throw the net and it just drops and hits you in the kneecaps and it just hits the water. The bait fish go everywhere and your father gets frustrated. I don't Did I say that? I said that, didn't I? <laughs> but the most significant thing about casting is not necessarily the throwing. It's the letting go. What are we casting? Casting all your care upon the Lord, for he careth for you. There's two different words here. It's the same English word, care and careth. There's two different Greek words. The first word, care, means distractions, disturbances, things that hurt, things that bother you, things that break you, things that cause tears to come to your eyes. He says, whatever those things are, whatever those cares are, whatever those burdens are, cast them. For he careth. The second word careth, it means this. It matters. When I first read that and I first studied that in my concordance, I almost had a Baptist run around. I mean, just a fit right there in the floor. When it dawned on me that the God of all glory, the King of kings, the creator of this universe, it matters to him if I'm upset. It matters to him if I've got tears dripping off my face. It matters to him if I'm hurting or I'm broken or, 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 or I'm, in, I'm in a difficult situation. It matters to him. And Peter is saying, look, cast. But too many of us are casting. We're just not. It says casting all your care upon him. Put it on him. Let him carry it. His shoulders are wider than yours. He has the strength and the ability to take all of your burdens, all of your cares, all of your stresses, all of your disturbances. Y'all with me? But you got to let him go. How many times do we come to this altar and we lay him at the altar and put him back in our pocket on our way back to the pew? Worry about him all the way home. Well, you didn't let that go. And it might be because we haven't fulfilled Five and six. You see, we have no right to cast our care until we've humbled our heart. Until we've submitted to God and each other. Now think about this. We're telling God, I want my way. I want what I want. I want my desire. I want to run my own life. But Lord, I need you to take this stress off me. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do my own thing. 
I want to go my own way. But Lord, I want you to help me feel better about it. Well, could it be? Could it be that we would lose a lot of stress if we just said, God, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to go? What step do you want me to take? God, whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. (laughs) Humble yourself. That he may exalt you in due time. Casting all. Say it with me. Casting All. all your care upon him. For he careth for you. The word translated care means anxiety, the state of being pulled apart. How how many of you feel like that it seems like God's pulling you this way and the world's pulling you that way? There's always a tug of war. It's easy to be anxious and worried, but if we are, we will miss God's blessing and become poor witnesses to the lost. We need his inward peace if we're going to triumph in the fiery trial and bring glory to his name. What if we're worrying just as much as the lost person? How does that glorify God? What if we fall apart like the people who don't know Jesus falls apart? How's that glorifying? How does that make God look good? How, how does a God look good that his children are fretting and tore all to pieces? How? how kind of God would do that? I was preaching right here a couple hours ago with a tear in my eye. And I said, today I'm sorrowing. But Paul told us, Paul told us, I don't want you to sorrow as others who have no hope. I said, I'm not sorrowing because I'm not going to see her again. I'm not sorrowing because this is the end. I'm not sorrowing because this this is all over. I said, I'm sorrowing because there's going to be a separation. I'm sorrowing because there's going to be a temporary, a temporary separation. I said, but I'm not sitting here without hope. I'm not sitting here without knowing I'm going to see Patricia again. I'm not sitting here without knowing that one day, one day I'm going to see her in heaven again. One day I'm going to see my family again. One day I'm going to see my loved ones again. One day I am sorrowing with hope. And I don't know how in the world, I don't know how in the world people go through tragedies like this without God. And so as As we, as God's children, we need to have that hope. We need to have that joy. We need to have that peace in the midst of difficulty because that is what they're going to see in us. That is what the lost is going to see. Why is he still smiling? All hell's breaking loose. Why is he not freaking out? Why does he not need a Valium? Why does he not need a drink? Why is he okay? Why is he? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about my friend. You see, God may be letting you go through the fire so the wicked king can see Jesus walking around in it with you. I'm about that close to breaking out and preaching to Hebrew children right now. Amen. No, no, we're going to pray. 
I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm fighting temptation right here. I'm fighting. A wicked king. I'm just a little bit of it. A wicked king. Wicked. I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace. This is what he said. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? That's what he said. And I love that response. Now, King, that's okay now. But we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Let me translate that in Alabama talk. We ain't going to be around the bush, brother. We just going to tell you like it is. We ain't bound. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. It doesn't matter. We are not bowing. A wicked king who said, who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? He threw him in the fire, and y'all know what happened. He went and looked over. How many we throw in? Shadrach, Meshach, three. He said, man, I see four of them. And they walking around. What's the point? I'm not going to go into how they come out, and the only thing that burnt was what had them bound. That's right. That's right. Hi, ho, 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 ho. I got two minutes. <laughs> Look, the point of the matter is, it took some of God's youngins going into the fire so a wicked king could see Jesus. Some of y'all are in the fire. And you think you're being punished. And it may be that God has got a wicked king who needs to see Jesus with you in the fire. There may be a doctor, there may be a nurse at the hospital that needs to see Jesus walking with you down that aisleway to the treatment center. There may be an inmate that needs to see Jesus with you going through the difficult part of your life. There may be a divorce lawyer that needs to see you walking with Jesus into that courtroom when your world is falling apart. Well, preacher, I just don't know how I'm going to make it through the fire. I'll tell you how. Casting all your care upon the Lord, for he careth for you. When the fire gets hot, when the difficulties raise above our ability, when we think we're at the end of our rope, cast all your care upon the Lord, for he careth for you.